Hello, and welcome to our Take Care Tuesday podcast with the Center for Safe and Secure Schools. I am your Harris County Climate and Culture Specialist, Sierra Nickerson, bringing you greetings from the Harris County Department of Education. Today's brief episode features school psychologist and safety expert, Dr. Melissa Reeves. You can literally Google Melissa Reeves safety and her bio pops up. We discuss threat assessments, and how this connects to trauma-informed practices and the dynamic power of a team. Enjoy. Well, I'm really excited to have uh, Dr. Reeves here with us this this day, and um, especially given everything that is happening in our in our world and in our lives as educators. And so, I just want to take a little bit of time to introduce Dr. Reeves, and um, you know, give our audience a little uh, background. Um, Dr. Melissa Luvar Reeves is the past president of the National Association of School Psychologists. She's a nationally certified school psychologist, a licensed professional counselor, and a licensed special education teacher. She's an adjunct instructor instructor at the Winthrop University and currently serves as a pre-K through 12 school psychologist, as well as a crisis management and psychological recovery expert in the private sector. Um, Dr. Reese is a co-author of multiple books and publications and is a recent recipient of numerous awards in her field, Um, a, a speaker, a trainer, Dr. Reese is known for her ability to translate high-level knowledge and expertise into practical application, which is what we'll be hearing about today. So I'm really excited to have you here, Dr. Reese. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So given the wide range of our audience, anywhere from an educator, a counselor, to um, a school resource officer, or um, a school safety specialist, um, can you explain what exactly is a threat assessment? What it is, is it is a process that is conducted by a multidisciplinary team. And that piece of it is really important because we want to make sure that the core team members include, you know, a school administrator, at least one, preferably more than one school mental health professional, and then either a school resource officer or a school safety specialist. So it's a multidisciplinary team process, and it is a structured process that helps us identify if students or potentially you know other adults pose a threat and there's a difference between making a threat and posing a threat because given the age groups that we work with in schools you know we have a lot of individuals that may say or do something that where it could be perceived as they made a threat but really what a threat assessment is looking at is do they pose a threat is there legitimately Um, data that supports that they may have the desire and are looking at, you know, wanting to harm others and starting to put a plan together in order to do that. So again, a multidisciplinary team process, it is a structured process. um, And we're really looking at do they pose a threat, not just did they make a threat. Awesome. Thank you. Lots of work, lots of collaboration. Um, And as I always say, you know, an education is not just the sole responsibility of the teacher or just the school, but it's a a multifaceted um, effort. It it takes a village. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, and especially in this process, because different people have different perspectives and also we have different training. 
And so bringing all of those perspectives together really helps us identify um, you know, variables looking at the big picture. But also what's really important about the threat assessment process is what do we do to intervene? Um, because if they are exhibiting some concerning behaviors, um, there's a reason for that. You know, so, so again, what are these behaviors telling us? And the, really the whole goal of a threat assessment process is interventions. And how do we help that individual onto a more positive pathway? It is not designed to be a punitive approach. So in order to have that real strong focus on intervention, it really does take that multidisciplinary team and a lot of different perspectives and skill sets working together. Just a wealth of information right there in that you know, introductory segment. Um, so as given your wealth of background and knowledge and expertise, you're a psychologist, a licensed counselor, a certified special education teacher. How do your experiences and formal, formal trainings complement this crisis management um, and threat assessment work for schools? Yeah, you know, I kind of look back early on in my career and when I was, you know, going through my teacher education program and I, you know, my specialty was actually working with students with emotional and behavioral disorders, primarily in center-based or self-contained type programs. And honestly, way back then, 20 some years ago, I was trained pretty much as a behaviorist. It is all about antecedents, behaviors, and consequences. And if you dangle that carrot out in front of them enough, you're gonna change behavior. I never had any training in trauma history, how trauma impacts behavior. Quite honestly, I didn't have a whole lot of training in mental health. I got that as I worked on my master's degree in counseling psych and then my PhD in school psychology. And I can honestly say now that, you know, my background as a teacher has really helped me understand the teacher perspective and has helped me understand classroom dynamics and, and how academic and social emotional, um, you know, come together. But my training in mental health has really helped me to understand really what's going on underneath those behaviors. And also then what can we do to intervene and what interventions can we put in place to help them be successful both academically and also social and emotionally. So, um, so I've said, you know, it's kind of interesting because most school psychologists, you know, you wouldn't see them developing an expertise per se in school crisis and also in threat assessment but all of my backgrounds have just beautifully come together to really take more of a proactive approach. And we have been really successful in intervening with individuals that are exhibiting some very concerning behaviors. Thank you. And so given you're kind of like the one person that has all these different skills and expertises, <laughs> but on the campus, we're gonna have several uh, people that have you know, individual expertise. Um, I know that you're familiar with the Senate Bill 11 um, and threat assessment teams are now mandatory. So speaking of teams and work and, and knowledge, now that many of our schools have had to pivot to virtual learning environments due to COVID-19 um, in order to keep our students safe while they're online, what are some key areas that schools and parents and maybe the community could pay attention to um, in order to aid in this, this prevention work? Yeah, so one of the things that I always like to emphasize is that in regards to this process, the process itself doesn't change tremendously um, just because we're now in this virtual environment. 
It's just the way that some of the information comes to us and the ways for which we gather the information as part of this process obviously looks a little bit differently because now rather than students being able to come to us and say, hey, I have a concern about a classmate of mine, um, or I saw something that's concerning, you know, now they're having to reach out to us more virtually. So, you know, so we still need to be taking a look at what are those confidential reporting mechanisms that we have, even though we're in the virtual environment. We are also still looking for still some of the same concerning behaviors. You know, even in the virtual world, as a teacher is doing virtual classroom instruction, what are we noticing, you know, about the behaviors of some of our students? Um, are they engaged or have we noticed that they're starting to pull away? You know, as the teachers are doing their instruction, um, are we noticing students that are that are making some comments that are just really concerning? Um, or they're putting things in the chat boxes that are more concerning. Um, you know, we really need to work with our parents given that, you know, we have now been, um, you know, um, out of school for a long period of time. And for some of us, that's gonna continue into fall what are some of those changes for them to be paying attention to within their own children and how do they reach out to the school professionals in order for us to be able to intervene so um and it's the same with teachers you know we really need to educate our teachers you know these are the things you would look for when you were doing in-person instruction we're still looking for some of these similar things even though we're in the virtual environment and how do they then come forward to other professionals within their school in order to report the concerns so we then can engage. So, you know, so this process actually still continues in the virtual world. It's just, we may have to schedule a phone call with the parent first in, in order for us to be able to speak with their child. Or instead of sitting down with the child in our office, and starting this process, you know, we're going to have to do it through a Zoom call or through some other sort of, you know, virtual platform. Um, our multidisciplinary threat assessment team, rather than meeting in person, you know, to go through to, to in order to implement the process, we might be doing a virtual meeting. Um, it, well, we are doing a virtual meeting rather than meeting in person. So again, the process itself doesn't change that much. It's just the way for which we gather the information. And now our face-to-face -face contact is gonna be more through virtual platforms or phone calls. Um, but there's, and then in regards to the intervention piece of it, um, you know, we do now have to rely a little bit more on our community resources because we're not there to offer individual, or, you know, to offer small group supports or potentially individual supports, depending on how school districts have established that within the virtual environment. Um, it may be that we're having to rely a little bit more on our community resources for the intervention piece until we can get back to school. But that's all the important pieces, you know, when we talk about building a good process, know what those community supports are, build those relationships in advance, so now we can really team up with those individuals if needed. Yes, that sounds like some healthy asset mapping and um, exactly. Yeah, and empowering our, our teams to, to, to go off and do the work. And, and like we said earlier, that it's really a village process. Um, nothing has changed with that process, but we're in a different phase of our work in terms of being virtual. And so gathering that information may look a little different, um, yeah. but still focusing on the interventions. Yeah, and you know, and I've even heard of, of you know, a couple stories, uh, for example, teachers have said, you know, I, I'm doing this virtual lesson and I've kind of noticed this, these concerns with this student. I'm not really quite sure 
So the school counselor, the school social worker, the school psychologist actually joins the virtual classroom and says, hey, how's everybody doing? Just want to check in and see. And then as the teacher's right. teaching, they're kind of stepping back and they're monitoring the dynamics. No different than if we would go in and do a classroom observation. So there's ways that we can still integrate our school mental health professionals to do some of these observations. And then that can help us determine, you know, do we need to move forward with this process or not? Um, so yeah, so lots of creative things going on out there. Yeah, and I talked about something similar when we have our restorative practice circles, how it's really important, especially for um, maybe a teacher that may be inexperienced with working mm -hmm. with students or maybe not keen on identifying mental health uh, crises or issues mm -hmm. to have your counselor or your social worker there or assistant principal to support you. Yeah. And just to be that extra set of eyes to observe those behaviors. So that's a really great approach. Yeah. Uh It's always great to hear from industry experts from the field. Thank you for joining. We'll be back for the second part of my chat with Dr. Reeves. See you next Tuesday.